Welcome back. We've been talking about planning decisions that need to be made after divorce. And the biggest area of stress that I see is with the house. A lot of issues that people face after divorce, uh, affordability of their house, the budget, can they continue to stay there? Do they need to find something less expensive? The school system, the kids, you know, do we want to uproot the kids, take them away from their buddies in the neighborhood? A lot of different issues involved with the house. But the biggest issue that I see and the biggest stress that's caused uh, for someone coming out of a divorce is the mortgage. Uh, just about every type situation that I see when people ha go through a divorce, there is a mortgage that's necessary to do something. They might need to refinance, uh, pay off the ex. They might need to refinance, uh, pay equity to them. They might need to consolidate debt. They might need to sell their home, buy a new home. But there's a mortgage involved in all those situations. And the biggest problem that I see people make is that they make the assumption that, that obtaining a mortgage is not a problem. And most of you are aware that since 2008, the mortgage world has really changed. Um, I've been helping people with mortgages for 30 years, and I would say in the last 10 years, more has changed in that time period than my entire career times 10. Obtaining a loan these days is just not easy. Um, the biggest problem that I see people run into in a divorce situation and the biggest amount of stress is because they have agreed to some sort of time frame for either selling the home or obtaining a mortgage or something along those lines, and they're just not able to fulfill that. They're actually in breach of their own agreement because time is generally what needs to be what needs to happen in a, in a mortgage situation, and that would be more obvious as we go through this. But a lot of different sources of income and, and different situations that are unique to a divorce situation, you have to have time. You have to have, for example, you have in order for child support to be a, a source of income, you have to be receiving it for a certain amount of months. And most of the time people coming out of a divorce have set the time frame for the refinance or, or obtaining that mortgage, and they don't realize that they're going to have to wait. And so that's what we want to talk about. So let me just provide you Mortgages 101. And I don't want you to become an expert on this, but I just need you to understand the various requirements associated with a divorce coming out of 2008 that are going to present some problems for you. So the first thing I want to get, get across to you are basically what the two elements are that lenders need to look at or what lenders look at when obtaining a mortgage, and most people are familiar with this, um, there's basically two issues. There's an income issue and there's a credit issue. Uh, the income issue would be what is your income? Uh, is it stable? Is it likely to continue? These are questions that a lender wants to know. Um, just because you receive income doesn't mean it's going to be counted. And just because you have income doesn't necessarily mean it's likely to continue. That's something that a lender really wants to know. So stable income is a very, very important concept. Now, the biggest change from 2008 is what is considered stable and what is not considered stable. And those are the things that really create the problems for someone coming out of a divorce. Um, the two issues that I generally see, and the biggest issue that I see, is someone who reenters the workforce. 
in that situation, someone might be staying home with children, and they decide, um, based on the alimony and the child support, that it's just not going to be enough. They go back to work maybe on a full-time or a part-time basis to try to help pay the bills. And, in fact, most women that I meet with in this type of situation, that generally is the case. The problem is, with a lender, that is not considered stable income. If someone reenters the force on a part-time, reenters the workforce on a part-time basis, that isn't necessarily considered stable income. In fact, most of the time, it's not considered stable income. Uh, in order for it to be stable, what a lender generally wants to see, particularly with respect to part-time income, is that there's a history involved. Uh, they generally want to see about 24 months. So if you have, if you are trying to have that income counted and you don't have 24 months of history associated with it, you're not going to be counted. Uh, just because you went back to work, you've worked for two or three months, you've gotten a few paychecks, it's not going to be used. And that's a big surprise for a lot of people. That's a big, big, big surprise that I run into, but that is not considered a stable income source. So reentering on a part-time basis, you have to have 24 months. This is where the time frame comes in because, again, most of the time what I see people are agreeing to have these things taken care of in maybe six months. That tends, tends to be the normal time frame. Well, in order to qualify, if you need that part-time income, you're going to have to wait a whole lot longer than that. Um, that generally is the biggest problem that I see. Now, just because somebody goes back to work, even on a full-time basis, if it's a new line of work and there's some kind of concern that the uh, mortgage company has as far as whether or not that's going to be consistent, uh, it's not going to be counted either. In fact, the only time I really see those types of situations as, as being counted is when you have a professional person like a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant, someone that has a degree, someone that has a background, and they decide to stay home to raise children and they re-enter the uh, workforce. And I do see those situations as being counted. Most of the time when we're trying to help someone obtain a mortgage in that situation, we, we use their resume. We show their marketability. I mean, most lenders will consider that income stable if someone has a prior history of working in that industry. But if it's a new industry, even on a full-time basis, it's a difficult thing to understand. It's a difficult thing for the mortgage companies to use. Other problems exist um, with alimony or child support. Uh, generally, you have to have about six months of receipt of those things before they will be counted as a uh, stable monthly income. So even though the divorce decree says that you will receive alimony or child support, you cannot count that as a source of in income unless you've been receiving it for a certain amount of months, and that is generally about six months. And lenders, what lenders are going to see there is to make sure that whoever is responsible for those payments are actually doing it. Um, they know there's a lot of deadbeat husbands out there that just because the agreement says that, they're not going to do it. And they're going to want to see deposits, they're going to want to see checks, they're going to want to see that money going into your account every month uh, on a regular basis, and they're going to want to see something that, that helps them feel like that that's going to be a stable source of income. 
So st- stable income is number one. Um, alimony and child support aren't necessarily counted as being stable. Reentering the workforce isn't necessarily counted as being stable. You generally have to show a prior earnings history. Um, someone is capable of doing something, not something new. Um, very little risk to the lender that that income will continue. Now, in the second, we mentioned two, I mentioned two things. One is stable income. One is credit. Most people are aware that your credit history matters, obviously, when you're getting a mortgage loan. Now, the problem, I see several problems. One, typically, when someone goes through a divorce, there's typically some late payments. Um, that's not uncommon. Most people going through those situations, uh, a bill has been missed here or there. Um, one of the dangers in, in the last two decades to lending is that it is very automated. In the past, there was a human component to a mortgage. There was someone making the decision about whether or not someone could make that payment. In recent decades, it became more automated. More based on, it was more based on credit scores and less of a human involvement. And there were some positives associated with that. Um, one of the negatives is that if you have a low credit score or a blemished credit history, there's very little explanations that are going to matter with a mortgage loan. In fact, no one really cares in those situations. There's less of a human there. Uh, writing in, um, in the old days, we used to be able to write an explanation whenever someone uh, had missed a, missed a payment on something, and you might have someone that's never missed a mortgage payment or never missed an obligation their entire life. Then they went through a brief period of time for a few months where some of the bills were missed. Uh, doesn't really matter anymore. Um, less humans involved, uh, more credit score oriented, and this is one of the negatives because we just don't have the ability to explain these things like we used to in the old days. So credit history is a big issue, and we're going to talk a little bit probably next week about credit scores and how they're determined. Um, But the other issue that I run into are joint debts. And a typical scenario is where where a husband and wife have purchased uh, a car or some other debt uh, some other asset and have a joint debt. And as part of the divorce, those debts are separated, and one party will take that debt over the other and is responsible for those payments. However, since the, do- since the, jet- since the, the debt was a joint debt, it reports to both credit reports. And just because the divorce decree says that you are not responsible for that doesn't mean a lender is going to ignore it. And so the biggest problem that we run into there is where someone is trying to qualify and they cannot qualify because of one of these joint debts. So even though they're not making the payment, um, someone else is making the payment, it still is counted against them. And the only way that you can prove to a lender um, that you are not responsible for this is with history. You've got to provide 12 months of payments. You've got to show 12 months that the other party is making that payment for it to be excluded for qualification purposes. And there's some other things that we'll talk about next week related to this to protect your credit history and protect your future uh, borrowing and so forth. But we're just going to need to wrap up the time today 
and I'll look forward to talking to you next week. To talking to you next week. To 